Jazz. Schools. Also, going to take it on the quarterback draw. He's to the 30, the 25, makes the move to the 20, 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. Number four of my best non sports sports wife carrying. It's the full court press with Eric Franson, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker, talking about what's going on in sports today. Love to hear from you as well on our Full Court Press text line. It's open for business. 435-339-0321. We got Jazz Summer League, which was unimpressive. That's one way to put it. (laughs) Everybody's talking about the game, but... Not because of any jazz player. Yeah, not a single jazz player of note. It's all about one Oklahoma City player. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gobert deal officially in the books today. Rudy Gobert to uh, Minnesota in exchange for several players and several more draft picks. Um, Interesting to see some of the player reactions to this, by the way. So we'll get to that. Uh, and then more talk about conference realignment. Now, we've been talking about uh, you know what what could potentially happen with the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, moving who's going where. But today we're going to focus a little bit more on how does it affect Utah State. And love to get your reactions to it as well. Not a lot of new details today. There are some hints at potentially where this may be going. But uh, nothing really dramatically new today. But still, there's so much to unpack and try to figure out that we continue to try to find new details, turn over every rock that we can find. Yeah, no, nobody's leaving yet, or nobody new is leaving yet. But yeah, this is this has left college football reeling. It's still reeling from the Oklahoma Texas, you know, thing. And this is a knock on from that. So there's it's going to be talked about and we're going to learn new things small like I said small details over the next few years until all this finally goes through so um let's start there actually with conference realignment talk um there was um (laughs) i got i got a lot of folks in my mentions today because (laughs) I, i went down a little bit of a rabbit hole trying to determine you know which What's the value of, of each Mountain West school? Like, what's their TV viewership? Um, you know, what does it look like for... If, if anybody is a, a, a potential target, maybe that's the best way to say it, who's more likely than another? And I started off by... The, the, the Pac-12 has had a standard that they are a collection of research institutions who also just happen to support athletics. Just happen to, just happen. I guess. Nothing, it's not like they're champions. We won't talk about that. We won't bludgeon you over the face with it. We're a collection of research institutions. Yes. Who happen to play who sports. happen to sponsor athletics. So, um, based on that, that's how I kind of started my premise and who I thought that the if there were any Mountain West schools to be targeted, um, you know, that's... You know where things might go. Uh, John Wilner, 
uh, it kind of started things off for me this morning, and I went a lot on, on Twitter. So if you don't follow me on Twitter, I'll try to summarize it. I, I threw a lot out there today, but I'm at E. Franson on Twitter. But John Wilner, who writes for San Jose Mercury News, great person to cover the Pac-12 over the years, he had a tweet earlier today, said, Source, I'd be stunned if Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten will sit back for two years, then try to get Notre Dame. Growing reality, and that's, that's the quote. Then Wilner says, growing, ro- growing reality is the Ducks and Huskies have to, one, make it work in the Pac-12, or two, join the Big 12. My guess, one is their preference. So using that as a premise, if Washington and Oregon try to make it work in the, in the Pac-12, that means Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford are also going to stay. So you've got, what, six teams at that point? Pretty much going to stick around. But where do they go from here? How do they target schools in the, are, are schools in the Mountain West the next target? And if so, who would it be? Yeah, there's there's not too many options. And, again, you outlined this because you went all in on, on Twitter, <laughs> filled everyone's uh, uh, feed with this stuff. Yeah, there's, and we, we kind of talked about this last time because the Pac-12 have kind of become beggars. They can't really be choosers in this case. If they're down to six teams, potentially, then they have to give up something to expand. They either have to give up the research institution thing or they're going to have to give up the sports prestige because there's basically nobody who fits both criteria within the rough geographical area. Maybe they try and expand further west or further east than Colorado, but then that, you know, are they willing to do that? Maybe. Right. Are they going to go all the way to South Florida, get USF? Maybe. That might be. I haven't looked as far as USF's, you know, academics, but maybe. Yeah, I need to double-check that one, too. But the bottom line here is, you're right, they, they'd have to sacrifice one or the other. And if it's the academic standing, which is probably more likely – in favor of the media opportunity, the media footprint, then uh, Boise State is going to be a hot topic, a, a high target for them, as it should be. Yeah, they, they're they the one who has the most national prestige. Most everyone at least knows Boise State's names. It's kind of like BYU in a sense, where they're not knocking down the door on the BCS or the playoff now, whatever we're calling it, they're not doing that as much. Neither of them are. But everyone knows who they are because they've kind of done that before. There's a national brand. So that's the biggest possibility for eyeballs. But then again, Boise State's not a huge draw. So it's it'll be interesting. They're obviously the talked about because they're the best in sports. But how much value do they actually bring? But again, beggars can't be choosers here. Yeah. Well, true. So Zach Miller uh, on Medium.com put together uh, some valuations, basically, looking at uh, what is a team worth, a football program worth. That's home attendance, market size. Uh, Wall Street Journal had each college football team uh, valuation that they put together in the 2019 season, social media following, TV viewership, all that stuff. And so when they did that, when they put together a valuation of, of – they didn't do that for every college football program, 
But the Power Five schools, uh, the Mountain West, Army, Notre Dame. It included some AAC schools. But Boise State was the top valued program out of the Mountain West at uh, 63 overall. And then when you look at, uh, and just in comparison, how does this compare to Utah State? The Aggies were at 87. Yeah, they're, that's really a byproduct of just being in a pretty crummy media market. They're slightly outside of the Salt Lake market, which is already pretty down, down pretty far. So we aren't really in the Salt Lake market. So I mean, maybe they count us in the Salt Lake market because where else are they going to put us? But it's... It's not very good for TV viewership and, and a lot of and just national recognition. Well, Utah was thirty seven, BYU was forty two, and we look at the Utah market by comparison, but it's a saturated market for three schools really to try to compete for that space. And then uh, this Zach Miller also looked at okay, what about viewership? You look at viewership last year. Most watched football programs in twenty twenty one. Boise State was number one in the Mountain West, coming in at number 49 overall. 657,000 viewers. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's ahead of several other Power 5 programs, in fact, ahead of some uh, Pac-12 programs. Yeah, they, they get eyeballs partly because they get on national TV. Like, Utah State gets on CBS, like, last year and this year, the main CBS channel, because they were playing Boise State. Right. Yeah, the Aggies are lucky to get on a network station a handful of times. Yeah, Something that isn't CBS Sports Network or Facebook. <laughs> yes. Surprisingly, Air Force was number two at 255,000, ranked 72nd overall. San Diego State was 78th with just under 200,000. But uh, Utah State on this list actually came in at 93rd at 91,000. But that just shows the, the gap between Utah State and Boise State. In fact, if you add up the bottom, was it, nine teams in the Mountain West, Boise State alone still outpaces the bottom nine cumulatively. So it just shows there's a huge gap with Boise State, and it's, as you said, national following. When they're on TV, people watch them. Yeah, and that's, that's why... So long as if the Pac-12 ignores the academic side, Boise State makes the most sense to go to the Pac-12. But then again, there's, there's that academics, which is like the worst of the Mountain West. So. Right. When you look at those schools that are those research one, tier one schools, and then you compare like, where, do they get viewers to those programs? Do people pay attention to those programs? Well, Colorado State's probably the highest. In looking at the value, they're at 78, Wyoming at 79. But I just I don't see the Pac-12 saying, hey, Cowboys, why don't you join our program? No, I don't think they're dying to get their foot in Wyoming. Um, just like they're not dying to get their foot in Cache Valley. They'd have to be driven to absolute desperation. It's kind of like when we, we teased yesterday, if Utah State gets an invite to the Pac-12, It'll be such a gutted Pac-12 that it may not even be worth it at that point. Yeah, what does it even mean? Because they're so far down the list, unfortunately. We all love for Utah State to be one of the four, maybe, you know, if they are down to six and they invite six more. We'd love for Utah State to be that one they bring in, maybe, you know, replace Utah as, you know, that Rocky Mountain market. But 
it just doesn't seem feasible because there are enough teams above them. You know, Boise State, San Diego State, Air, you know, even Air Force and Fresno State are all teams that are above Utah State in that, in that pecking order. True. Whether it's market size, uh, following, even the, the, the regular attendance, ticket sales, they're all going to outpace Utah State. Yeah, Utah State's unfortunately really struggled with ticket sales. They sell out two games every two years. Boise State and BYU when they play them, which they play every other year. They play them at home every other year. So Utah State usually doesn't sell out its games in football or basketball. Well, and even if they do have strong attendance, because there's been some years where it's been strong. Maybe not every game's a sellout, but it's pretty full. It's just it's a limited capacity stadium. Yeah, that too. It's it's not nearly as big as you know. You go down to Salt Lake, and BYU Stadium is absolutely huge compared to Utah State, and they sell it out. Yeah, very true. That's why they're in the Big 12. <laughs> yes. Uh, one other thing that I think that uh, we have to look at, too, in, in kind of summarizing some of these things that have gone through today is the conference payout per school. Uh, this was, according to the USA Today, in uh, mid to late May is when they published this. And... It illustrates why USC and UCLA made the decision that they did. The SEC, well, the, since we're talking about the Big Ten, the, the payout to schools last year ranged from $43.1 million to $49.1 million per school. That was the... That's the Big Ten. Big Ten. In contrast, the Pac-12, their... Per school payout last year, nineteen point eight million. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you get for buying expensive headquarters, renting expensive headquarters in the the Bay well, Area. And frankly, it's also part of the Pac-12's um, own doing with uh, their decisions uh, with uh, whether or not to play games in twenty twenty. Yeah, and how late they were to to actually start playing games, and how they limited fans to those games. So. They had a significant financial consequence for how they approached uh, COVID and, and how things went in 2020. Yeah, and I think I'd heard that UCLA had run up a huge deficit uh, over the last few years. I think it hit $100 million if I remember, if I heard it right. I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, so this may be inaccurate. I'm pretty sure they hit $100 million deficit, which, you know, moving to the Big Ten, and, and that payout, I believe, is going to go up. Um you know, with, with new media deals. So like, yeah, it's true. So UCLA is going to be able to make that back and then, you know, invest back into their program programs, programs. Uh, but so we, the PAC 12, it was down the 33.6 million was the payout per school in 2020. And that dropped to 19.8. Uh, as we mentioned, the uh, big 10 was at, uh, you know, 43 to 49 million per school. The SEC, get this, an average of $54.6 million per school. That's bordering on twice the entire athletic budget of Utah State. Like Utah State it's is somewhere close. in the 30 to $35 million. Last, yes. time, last time I looked, it was like $31 million, but that was like four years ago. So maybe up by now, but like seriously, that is absurd. These guys are walking in money. <laughs> it's totally insane. Uh, Big 12... Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Big 12 recently. Uh, their payouts to schools range from 
34.7 million to 36.5 million. Uh, ACC 35 to 38.1 million by comparison. So, um, the and the Mountain West is nowhere near that kind of money. Yeah, they're still in the not even in the tens of millions. They're in the single digit millions. Yeah, single digit millions. <laughs> Hard to say single digit, but it's millions. <laughs> yes. So, it's. <laughs> I think it's probably becoming more and more likely that there's a Pac-12 ACC connection that uh, may be moving. Uh, we may be moving more in that direction than uh, the the Pac-12 picking off a bunch of Mountain West schools. Yeah, because there was a report that they're maybe going to have like a some sort of championship game, or I don't know what they'd call it, inter-squad competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it in Las Vegas. Yeah, do it in Las Vegas. So big event, it would be a big deal. Uh, you know, so you have Oregon and Clemson, two big brands, play each other. That'd be a fun game. But, yeah, it seems like they're – it was kind of like when they had the alliance against the SEC. But now it's the Pac-12 and the ACC are kind of the two odd men out. Big 12 kind of – they're surviving this the best in terms of the not SEC and not Big 10s. So – kind of makes sense that the ACC and Pac-12 are banding together to find something. And a big part of this is they're looking for negotiating tactics for the media deal. Like, they have to have something. So that's what they're going to walk into. They're going to pitch an Oregon Clemson or, a, you know, whoever else in the Pac-12 is left. They have to pitch that and say, this is your big ticket game. Can you add, like, another $100 million onto that media deal? <laughs> like, that that's basically what this is. Yeah. Yeah, and I just getting back to you know, how does this affect Utah State? There may be, there might be a school or two from the Mountain West that still gets uh, affected here and moves to a different conference. But I don't think it's as likely t- today as maybe I would have thought a few days ago. Yeah, and it it does ride on the four schools that we talked about leaving the Arizona, Utah, Colorado, the kind of the eastern part of the Pac-12. They call them the four corner schools. Yeah. So, if they leave, which is not a certain yet, and Utah seems to be heavily denying the possibility of them leaving, even the possibility, they just straight up deny that they're talking, which, of course they would. Yeah. They have to. They're probably contractually obligated to say they're not. (laughs) So, if they leave, that's pretty much the only way the Mountain West gets really poached, because then they're like, okay, we can try San Diego State. I feel like in that situation, they're almost a shoe in to get in if, you know, they're looking at the Mountain West because they're right in that, you know, breadbasket. They're in that California area. So other than that, it would depend on whether or not they want to take Boise State, whether or not they can stomach the academic. Uh, I'm running out of adjectives. <laughs> it's just the <laughs> academics. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, and whether or not they want to, maybe they branch out into Texas. And do they think Colorado State? sufficiently do they, do they maintains the Denver market. Yeah. It's like they they try and replace the bit of the California with San Diego State, try and replace a bit of Colorado and Denver with Colorado State, maybe Boise State to add a little bit of national flair as much as you can get at that point. So those are pretty much the three schools, maybe UNLV, just to say you're in Las Vegas. So you can get back up to 10. Yeah. Be the Pac-10 all over again. <laughs> but uh, I think one of the quietly one of the winners here is the Big 12 because they've gone they've 
basically they've spent a year going through this. They lost Texas and Oklahoma. They've already been in a scramble mode to try to find those other pieces to supplement. But they didn't just replace teams that were lost. They added to their numbers. And that's where, again, I think the Mountain West really made a mistake last year. When this was happening, there was a great opportunity to not only put a fence around who you have, but even expand your tent, make it even bigger. Because there was uncertainty. There was an opportunity, and the Mountain West didn't do anything about it. Yeah, because the AAC went looking for teams, and they picked up some teams. And the Mountain West sat on their butts. Missed an opportunity mainly to branch into Texas. There wasn't much else they were going to go. Maybe try and pick off one of the AAC teams that was already in there. But, you know, now like I said, the Big 12 comes out all right because they grabbed basically all of the G5 teams that were borderline P5. The Cincinnati's, the BYU's. All those teams. They grabbed all those great teams, probably with the exception of Boise State. It's probably like the one borderline P5 level team they didn't grab. Probably had to do with academics. So the Big 12 does come up because, like I said earlier, they're the best surviving of the slowly dying P5 conferences. Yeah, Memphis may be one school that's still out there. Yeah, so that, that would probably be a target for, it could have been a target for the Mountain West. Probably not anymore. But they could have been. Right. So, at the end of the day here, sad to say, and we would, we would love to see Utah State involved in these potential expansion discussions. But at the end of the day, you, I just I don't see Utah State as a target. Yeah, unfortunately, I'd like to entertain that idea. And I'll say on the text line, 7994, I mean, he brings up the possibility of the Pac-12 collapsing. says, is there any chance the Pac-12 collapses and the Mountain West moves closer to becoming a Power 5 conference on who the Mountain West need to add. Well, that would basically mean that those four schools, really the, the four corner schools, and Washington and Oregon, and maybe even somebody else, all move to the you know one of the big conferences, the Big Ten or the Big 12. At that point, the Mountain West would probably, if they can make this kind of power move, would maybe try to absorb the Pac-12 conferences, but... I don't know if they have the clout to be able to do that. I don't know if they could pull that off. It'd be a prime opportunity, but the Mountain West, their media deal goes a little bit longer. I, th- I think it was to 25-26. Um, so maybe they could pounce, but I almost don't trust the Mountain West to be able to pull off that kind of thing. Right, because who would they add? They'd add Washington State in eastern part of Washington, Yeah, which is not – not a big area geographically if you've ever, or with the population if you've ever been out there. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State, again, not a big population center, not a big media market. Uh, and then Cal and Stanford, what happens to them? That's one of the big questions for me. Stanford could just as easily say, hey, we're just going to go independent. Yeah, we're going to be the new Notre Dame. Yeah, they very well could. They could become the West Coast Notre Dame or the old BYU or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that's those teams, the Washington States and Oregon States and Cal's, they're kind of on the same level as the upper tier G5 teams. So maybe they could go into the Mountain West. But again, that's when we've reached total desperation mode for all of these teams. And some of them may just decide to go independent over joining the Mountain West because, you know, especially someone like Stanford, who is a national brand, they could all just say, well, we can get a better TV deal by ourselves than what the Mountain West currently has. Unless the Mountain West can convince them, 
we're going to get a bigger TV deal this time. Come and join us. Washington State, Oregon State in the Mountain West. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, there's a lot of things that make them fit with Mountain West schools. Land-grant institutions, geographically, regionally, uh, mission uh, of the institution. There's a lot of things that make sense for those schools. But the problem is they have to be convinced that it's in their best interest really to step down to the Mountain West. These are athletic budgets who depend heavily on that Pac-12 revenue, which has been coming to them. They haven't had to do anything, and they already get $20, $30 million in their pockets just because they're affiliated with the conference. And so they've built their revenue and their budgets on that expectation. And when that goes away, there's going to be a huge pain felt with some of these schools. Yeah, that's why I don't know if I can trust the Mountain West to be able to make that kind of move, even though it would be all all over the columns and radio. The Mountain West would have to get a giant media deal. Their current media deal is like $270 million, something like that. That'd have to, like, you'd have to raise that by, like, an order of magnitude almost to convince these teams to come. Maybe not quite that much, but, you know, you're closing in on a billion to try and get those teams to just not go independent. Uh, 0945 texting in with regards to UCLA losing money. College endowment funds more than make up for any losses that they incurred during COVID. Monetary donations last year alone totaled $288 million. Yeah, so it's not like they're poverty, but like they couldn't use that money to progress. They had to fall back on that money. So yeah, obviously... UCLA is doing fine. They're not going bankrupt. No. But it is – that's why they're going to the, the Big Ten because they can move forward instead of having to continually fall back and beg for more money from all their – they have a lot of prestigious alumni. So right. They, they can rely on that. Or let alone institutional support. At, at this level, a lot of these schools are, are – that, that money channel goes towards academics rather than academics supporting athletics, which – throughout the Mountain West is the, probably the, the number one fundraising mechanism uh, for and, and supporting athletics. Yeah. It's from the academic institution. So, anyway, at the end of the day, the Mountain West could lose a school or two. Um, but it's – I think we're moving more in towards a Tier 1 college football, Tier 2 college football – and then the F, FBS or FCS as it is. Yeah. Basically, the Big Ten, the SEC, they get to go in the playoff. They get to have all the national brands. You have the rest of the P5 schools. And then what's remaining of the G5? Utah State and the rest. Right. <laughs> Which Utah State would potentially be a bigger fish in that pond than they are now. Um, they're already trying to climb and be one of the bigger fish in the in the G5. They're definitely not there yet, but they're trying but this will you know Utah State has a history of being left behind it's all over their history being left behind when new conferences form they get left behind and this may just be the next time it happens you know if a few Mountain West schools go they'll be at the top of the heap but it's a small heap to be on top of right yeah that's true all right if you want to chime in love to hear from me at 435-339-0321 Again, trying to make sense of conference realignment, how that affects a school like Utah State. How do you make sense of that? Yeah, I don't know how you make sense of it. <laughs> but uh, love to hear your thoughts. 435 339 
0321 or your proposals. Uh, but before we take a time out, Valvoline Instant Oil Change just reminds you that holidays, back to school time, summer vacations, whatever it is, it's always stressful. And you're worried about uh, all this stuff that's going on. Getting your supplies ready, make sure your packing list, your your destinations are figured out before your road trip. But don't forget your car. Because Valvoline Instant Oil Change wants to make sure you get it uh, serviced and back out on the road quickly. They're located right across from Angie's to get you in and out quickly. Seven or six ninety-five North Main in Logan. The T-shirt. We all have one. The T-shirt is the world's most basic clothing item. Over the last thirty-plus years, the Logo Shop has screen-printed well over a million T-shirts. Custom printing. That's what they do at the Logo Shop. They can literally put your logo on just about anything: coffee mugs, pens, flashlights, outerwear, golf balls, water containers, backpacks, travel accessories. The possibilities are endless. That's why at the Logo Shop they say. We logo stuff. The logo shop. We logo stuff. The logo shop. Bright green cars. That's the only thing you need to remember as you're driving down Main Street in Logan looking for Jarek's fine jewelry. Hi, this is Jarek. We have a lot of people comment on the bright green cars outside, and some even talk about the building. But the overwhelming responses come when they step inside. Jarek's showroom was created to offer an intimate, romantic setting for couples to enjoy their ring-buying experience. Everyone is treated like a friend, with no price negotiation needed. Make your engagement special. Make it Jarek's. Come see us at 930 North Main in Logan. Just look for the bright green cars. Who do you turn to if you want to change out your wood or pellet stove? Advance Fireplace and Stove. They were voted the gold medalist for Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row in the fireplace retrofit category. Be ready when the government's next wood and pellet replacement incentives pop up. Advanced Fireplace can help you navigate the paperwork. For more information, call Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online, advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Why buy from Daryl's? We have a warranty department dedicated to handle all the nitty-gritty details so you don't have to. Hi, I'm Jessie, the warranty manager at Daryl's. When you buy from us, you'll have peace of mind. Remember to ask about Daryl's exclusive, risk-free, extended warranty on your new appliance. Daryl's, West on Airport Road, open till 6 on weekdays, 5 p.m. on Saturday. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10. It's tasty and quick. Elements' lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m. Visit the Elements restaurant.com for reservations today. Cash Valley Bank's newest branch is now open in Preston. I'm Lance Zollinger and I'm excited to announce Cash Valley Bank is now open inside Stokes Marketplace. If you're an existing customer, you'll love the convenience. If you're not a customer, we'd love to have you open a new account with us or even talk with us about a loan for your farmer business. Cash Valley Bank, a community bank where decisions are still made locally, now open in Preston. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. 
visit alpinehomemedical.com. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Uh, you got a car that's stuck and won't start? Call Grantham Mobile Automotive. Their mobile auto repair service will get you up and running in no time. 435 229 4345. 435-229-4345. Okay, so uh, today it was official. At least one part of the deal was made official, and that was Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. And he was officially introduced today. Uh, Minnesota sent out a tweet saying, Once wolves, always wolves. Yeah, thanking thanking the outgoing guys, the Malik Beasleys, Jared Vanderbilts, uh, and I can't uh, can't remember the other Leandro, Pat Beverly. Yeah, Pat Beverly and Bull Bulmero, I think. Yes, I yes. kept saying his name wrong in my head. I was thinking like Bull, like I think I added an extra O in there somewhere. So I've had to like relearn how to say his name. <laughs> uh, Jared Vanderbilt shortly after Minnesota had their tweet said, "Can't even get our own post with the crying emoji." <laughs> yeah, having having a good poke at his former social media team. Uh, which I think the Minnesota one's one of the better uh, social media teams. I was more of them having some good uh, good tweets. Uh, Utah certainly sent some stuff out. Uh, once a jazz man, always a jazz man. Uh, highlight reel of Rudy Gobert, kind of his evolution as a player and his impact in the community. Uh, Ryan Smith said something on social media today or released a statement just uh, proud of Rudy Gobert and his time in Utah and how he changed the team and the culture and his uh, impact in the community. But Utah didn't say anything about the incoming guys. Nope, not a single one. Two farewell Rudy tweets. Two of them. Zero. So Jared Vanderbilt, Jared, Jared Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt can't get his own farewell tweet from his old team, can't even get a welcome tweet from his new team. <laughs> so these guys are just left hanging. Yeah, what's, what's going on? What gives? Are they even in Salt Lake? I heard Walker Kessler was in Salt Lake. Heard that from some person said they saw him in the Salt Lake airport. Who knows if that's actually true, but I heard he was around. Is, are any of these other guys around? Are they going to come to Utah, or are they just going to pawn him off to whoever wants him? Well, that may be what's going on here, and that was the speculation earlier today that it, perhaps Utah would be it, it may still have some of these assets tied up in some other deal. Yeah, we, we got a rebirth of that uh, – Windhorst, that picture, him, you know, pointing up like, why would the Jazz do this? <laughs> yes, so we're uh, a lot of questions there. What's what could be next? Um, but um, I'm trying to. I thought it was. I'm uh, just trying to go through real quick on the fly here. But Eric Walden from the Tribune said that the Jazz made the deal official. Uh, that Minnesota made the deal official. The Wolves announced the Gobert trade. But that's it. But he did say uh, the Jazz PR saying that they will officially announce the Rudy Gobert to the Wolves deal within the hour. This was earlier today. And that's it. It's not expanding to include other teams. But it doesn't say anything about the players that are coming. Uh, well, the, the, the Timberwolves, in their official release, did say that the, they are sending Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, 
Leandro Balmaro, Walker Kessler, and future picks. So they've announced that they're sending it to Utah, but Utah itself has not announced that they're receiving these deals. Yeah, and and they're coming. They definitely are. It's more of a how long are they staying, and do they want to invest the 30 minutes to make a, a tweet graphic you know, for guys they may send out tomorrow or in the next week or so. So it'll be interesting to see how long this gap lasts, and maybe it ends with the announcement that they're moving on, or maybe they're somehow part of a three-team deal, which maybe not since they've like officially announced the trade and gone through with it, but could just be more deals coming for the Jazz, who are very active from you know everyone who's reporting and saying they're very active with multiple players. So when we look at this deal that now it's officially consummated, at least in that aspect with Rudy Gobert, Minnesota says they're sending these these players here, but what? It, let's assume they all come. Does it really fill the roster as it needs, or what holes still exist for the Jazz? Well, there's a giant hole in the wing department. It's We've been talking about that for, like, what, two years now? Now it's even worse, but, again, it's part of a rebuild, So and they only have about half a roster. By my count, and I'm interpreting which position is which, which can be a little iffy, by my count, there's six guards, three wings, and two bigs. So Mike Conley, Mitchell, Patrick Beverly, Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, Jared Butler. Those are your guards. The wings are Bolmero, Bogdanovich, and Alexander Walker. The, the first and third, like, those two could be guards, but, again, it's iffy there. And then the bigs, you got three of them, Azubuki, Vanderbilt, and Kessler. So they could use a veteran center, probably. And technically, Rudy Gay is still under contract. Oh, that's But true. I'd be shocked if he's Yeah, still I forgot him. So I guess there's another the wing there. Um, so probably need a veteran center. More wings. Can't be this short again. Right. Are they going to put all their eggs in the basket of Azubuki and Kessler? No, definitely not. I, I don't think so. So we had this discussion a little bit. We, we Go back to our, our full-court press text line from last night. In regards to Rudy Gobert, 1570 had a couple of things to say. Um, says uh, Rudy was at all defensive at the rim. Ayton, because we were starting to talk about DeAndre Ayton as a potential replacement. Says Ayton is way better all-around player, especially with the way the Jazz develop players. Rudy was exposed in consecutive playoffs that he is not an elite defender, and it's just a great rim protector. So, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> Is DeAndre Ayton the answer? So I'll address that second text first. And my response to 1570 was, I'm sorry you weren't able to watch the last two playoffs. I'm, I'm really sorry. That must have been frustrating that you weren't able to watch the playoffs for whatever reason. Because it's clear you didn't. <laughs> or you watched it with your eyes closed. So we've had this discussion before. Rudy Gobert's... Exposed. And again, like there are a few barometers for like how you can tell if somebody at least sort of knows what they're talking about in the NBA. One of them is ask them their opinion about Rudy Gobert. And what they answer will tell you how much they know. If you're Nick Wright and he says, I've never seen somebody be a negative in the playoffs like that, you know Nick Wright knows nothing about the NBA. And this, I'm sorry, it sounds like you know nothing. May I don't want to be too insulting, but like Rudy Gobert wasn't exposed in the playoffs. Was he at his best? Was he dominant? No. But it's not necessarily his fault. A lot of that falls on scheme, and some of that is his skill set. And that's part of why we wanted to trade him, because, yes, his skill set is somewhat limiting, 
but he's still an elite defender. And in that way, he's still better than DeAndre Ayton. So, and that's part of why I don't want DeAndre Ayton, because if Rudy Gobert wasn't the answer, Ayton certainly isn't either. Right. The What got exposed was Utah's porous perimeter defense. Yeah, the four so players besides Gobert. All left to Rudy to, to, to cover the entirety of, of anything below the, the three-point line. Yeah, he got That's exposed. impossible for yeah. any player. He got exposed for not being able to play one-on-five defensively. <laughs> How dare he? Yeah, like I can't believe you would do that because he <laughs> plays one-on-five defensively the entire regular season, but oh no, he couldn't do it in the playoffs when teams are, you know, he plays a seven-game series, you're able to actually game plan. But here is where he did get, quote-unquote, exposed, is that when teams went small, Utah was not able to punish them with somebody in the at that center position that that made it hard for them to contend with what he did offensively. Yeah, Rudy just the, the system and Rudy himself did not punish teams for going small. Aiton has a better offensive skill set that potentially could hurt teams for doing that. Phoenix tried that to some degree, but Dallas figured out a way around it, and he was pouting. Granted, he'd already had some hurt feelings with Phoenix going into the season without them extending his rookie contract. So there were already some things going on there, but Dallas figured out a way to uh, to get around the traditional big center that uh, did have more of an offensive skill set with uh, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, and you look at the teams that are getting far in the playoffs, they don't have these traditional post-interior big men. Because that's what Ayton is. He's an interior big. He's not really stretched his game out. People... I feel like people act like Aiton is like a three-point shooter. He's not. Uh, let me look up how many threes he took last season. Um, I can tell you, for the entirety of his career. Yeah, I've, I've got it pulled up. He's taken 56. 19 and he made year. 14. Yeah. So the thing is, last year he shot 7 of 19, which looks good when you put that on a, oh, he shot 36.8% last year. Yeah, on the 19 probably wide-open three-pointers he took last year. Right, and how many of those were desperation shot clock expiring, too? Yeah, probably a few of them. So it's like, now, having said that, I think DeAndre Ayton has a jumper in his game down the road. That's probably there. I'm very confident that it's there. So there is an expanding to his game that can happen. Like right now, he's a 17-10 guy. He could evolve to a 20-10 or 20-12, you know, however many rebounds he ends up getting. But his sophomore season, he was 18 and 12. Yeah, though he played 38 games. True. So. True. So it's like if the Jazz went after Aiton, which I've seen some conflicting reports, some really love to like build trades around, you know, Kevin Durant that end up with Aiton coming to Utah. You know, I wouldn't be crushed if the Jazz landed DeAndre Aiton, but I wouldn't be pleased about it. Because, again, if Rudy wasn't the answer, DeAndre Ayton isn't. Like, the Jazz just finished paying Rudy $38 million last year. And granted, it's going to go up to, like, the low to mid-40s. But DeAndre Ayton wants a max extension. That comes out to about $35 million a year. Like, DeAndre Ayton's not better. He's, and you're going to be paying him almost as much for a center in a league that has largely made teams that build around centers antiquated. You can't build around a center anymore. Those teams don't make it far in the playoffs. Right. It's today's modern NBA. Uh, in, unless your center can do multiple things, which would include stepping out and hitting a three-point shot and spreading the floor, 
it really doesn't make sense to put that much money into an, uh, anybody that's six foot eleven or taller. Yeah. So it's basically Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns. Yeah, and Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I know there was probably somebody I was forgetting, but even he's not proven yet that he's that caliber. No. Embiid and Jokic have. And another thing is that Aiton is a good offensive big, but one of the things that worries me is his free throw rate. It's awful. His free throw rate. So I looked this up. For centers in the three-point area, so that's like since 1980, out of 1,315, you know, that's sort of number of centers that have qualified for like minutes per game, his free throw rate ranks tied for 1,190. Oh, Good wow. for the 16th percentile. He does not get to the free throw line, which if you're saying, oh, he's a dominant interior big, why doesn't he act like it? Why isn't he at the free throw line like every other dominant interior big? Uh, Wow, I didn't realize that. So, And I didn't realize either. I was looking it up and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. He takes two and a half free throws per game or something like that. And it's just awful. So it's a short list of NBA centers who are on max contracts. Nikola Jokic. And does he deserve it or not? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's like okay. the best player in the league. Carl Anthony Towns. It's something you do. He hasn't proved he can be a winner yet. He's but been his, the best player on the franchise yeah. for a few years. And his skill set is like Hall of Fame level. His performance hasn't gotten there yet, but his skill and talent is that level where you give him the max. Paired with Rudy Gobert, but you're really interesting to see how he evolves this year. Yeah, that's a new Twin Towers. Uh, Joel Embiid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Rudy Gobert. Apparently not <laughs> for the Jazz. Apparently not. And Bam Adebayo. No. No. Good, not elite. Max contract, no. Pay him a lot of money to keep him? Yes. Max contract, probably not. Yeah. And I don't – I think that DeAndre Ayton is worth a lot of money. I think he's a valuable piece to have on a team. But I'm not – I don't know that I'm sold that he's a max contract guy. Yeah, because he wants a max contract. His agent was very clear about that. We want the max, which is he's eligible for a $177 million or just a hair under $177 million over five years. So that's like $35 million and change. He's not worth it. I saw one potential sign-and-trade where he signs a $110 million, which that's a lot easier to stomach because that, that came out to like $25 million, which is closer to what he's actually worth. With the recent deals that the Jazz have made, they are technically under the cap, but they still have roster spots to fill. Yeah. They're, they're not done. So if they were to be a player in the DeAndre Ayton sweepstakes, if we want to call it that, they'd have to give up some additional players to get him. They would, and they don't have too many to give up. So it'd mostly be picks. Who Phoenix would want. Yeah. It'd be Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley. But that's about it. They already have an old point guard. Do they want another old point guard? Yeah, that's why probably Boyan. Maybe Jordan Clarkson. Those are basically your three most valuable guys. Is Conley, Clarkson, Boyan. Maybe Beverly. Um, there may be some value there, but it's tricky. They could move those guys. It would be very easy for them to move them. And maybe they can get some wings and bigs in return because that's what they need. And the free agent market for wings is a little sparse right now. Very thin. Very thin. Uh, all right, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. I want to get back, uh, speaking of the Jazz, the Summer League, first game for the Utah Jazz in the books. Did you see it? And Did, did I want to see did it? Did you really see it? <laughs> if, it if, if we're watching it. 
Uh, are we hitting the panic button over the young talent for the Utah Jazz? Or a little too early to tell. It's the summer league. <laughs> we can get into this, but yeah. <laughs> it's glorified pickup basketball. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press after a quick timeout. Uh, Mountain West Motor is Logan's newest truck and SUV dealership, and they're located at 615 North Main. Great selection of trucks and SUVs, which have been specially customized for your next adventure. So whether it's hauling trailers, going out on your next adventure for the summer, Mountain West Motor has a unique selection of vehicles for you. Go check them out online, mwmotor.com, or stop by their lot at 615 North Main in Logan. July 12th and 13th are Amazon Prime Days. Oh yes, you can buy lots of things on Amazon. It ships quickly right to your door. But there are some things Amazon doesn't do. They don't support our local community. They don't donate to our local clubs, organizations, youth, or schools. We should all shop local when we can. Local business is the backbone of our community. They keep us employed. In fact, small business is Cache Valley's largest employer. Local business supports and donates to our local economy. Given the opportunity, when you shop local, you find prices just as good and often better than Amazon and with superior service. Whether you buy from Amazon or not won't make a difference in their success, but it will make a big difference in our community when you shop local. This is Gene Needham of S.E. Needham Jewelers. If you are in the market for a diamond engaged ring, I would like to personally invite you to visit our store. With our beautiful selection of rings and broad diversity in style, you are sure to find a ring you'll love. You'll enjoy our quiet atmosphere as you view our beautiful selection of diamonds. We grade each diamond twice in order to assure exactness in the diamonds we present. Shop and compare, and then come to the Diamond Engage Ring Store, where Utah gets engaged. Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.C. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Don't get caught without power to your home or business. This is Tyler with Golden Spike Electric. We offer Generac backup generators to keep your home or business warm, avoiding frozen pipes, loss of valuable food, or even a flooded basement. Golden Spike Electric is certified and factory trained, so you know it will be installed right and properly maintained. Contact Golden Spike Electric so you'll never be without power again. Online at gsegenerators.com. We also service other brands. Golden Spike Electric and Generac, power you can count on. Grantham Automotive Repair knows how busy you are. I'm like the busiest person alive. We know there's never enough time in your day. I make instant oatmeal in the microwave. We know it's not always convenient to get your car fixed, so we will come to you. Introducing Grantham Automotive with over 10 years experience. Our master ASE technician is licensed and insured and headed your way. Book your service appointment by calling 435-229-4345. For the second year in a row, Advanced Heating and AC is honored to be named Gold Medalist for Best of Northern Utah in the AC and HVAC category. They thank you for your support and vote of confidence in their company. You have many choices when it comes to your home's heating and air conditioning system. Make sure you choose the gold medal winning company, Advanced Heating and AC. Call 752-7272 or stop by their showroom west of DI online at advancedheating-ac.com. Hi, this is James Stevens and Mark Thurston with White Pine Funeral Services. Here at White Pine, we want to invite those who have been affected by the alleged mishandling of pre-need funeral money to contact us. We are saddened by what took place and we want to help those who lost money by offering our professional services to you at no cost. Stop by and see us or visit whitepinefunerals.com for more information. White Pine Funeral Services, here when you need us. 
Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's a Napa Auto Parts bucket sale going on. Buy a Napa 5-gallon bucket for $5.49 and get 20% off three or more items that fit in the bucket. There are a few exclusions that do apply, but go check it out at any of the five Napa Auto Parts stores between Preston and Providence. So Utah Jazz held their first summer league game last night in Salt Lake. Somebody should have told the Jazz. <laughs> it, was, it was not pretty for Utah. Uh, you know, Xavier Sneed, who I mentioned last night, somebody to maybe watch for. He uh, 15 points, three rebounds, a steal, and an assist. Nine of those points were at the free throw line. He went two of seven from the field. So a lot of work at the free throw line for those points. Yeah, the only the only Jazz player who was in a positive plus minus was Jordan Usher, seven points, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Solid enough. Nobody, <laughs> one player out of fifteen. A bunch of these guys didn't play for injury illness, or two of them didn't play for injury illness. Four were DNP CDs, which I don't understand that in the summer league. Isn't the whole point of these guys to play them? Right to get them minutes. It's like, yeah, you're on the summer league. We're gonna give you a shot. Except, just kidding. No. You, unless they're just really not grasping what the coaches are trying to get them to do in practice. I guess. Or they skip to practice so they get benched. You know. Good old high school tactics. Johnny Juzang did not play, but um, he was in an automobile accident last week. I don't know how much that may have played a, yeah, a factor. A, it says he was out for injury slash illness, so that's probably what it was. May have been connected. But um, will we see him tonight? Jared Butler, it was a big guy we were going to be watching, and he really didn't perform very well. Yeah, 30% shooting, 3 of 10, 2 of 6 from 3. But four assists was probably his best stat line, combined with three turnovers. But and I guess a couple of steals. So some good things, mostly not good things. It was the Chet Holmgren show. Yes, set some records with many blocks and points and rebounds in one game in his summer league debut. And yeah, he looks like very, very thin but good playmaker. Yeah, this is this is one of those places where he can thrive. He's big. He's long. He's skilled. So that can help him. Um, we'll see how he handles people with actual NBA bodies um, as opposed to Utah's summer league, which is either the big and too slow or the quick but too small, which is the perfect place for Chet Holmgren to attack, just like it was in college. Yeah. Plus, but, the, the, the Jazz have like a bunch of undrafted guys on their roster. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot there. Now, the, tonight they play Philadelphia. That'll be at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow they play Memphis. And that will tip off at 6. Yeah, might be rough. Uh, Philly's got a few decent players, some actual draft picks, and guys who have seen actual NBA minutes. So could be another rough night. Can I just quick shout out my player of the week I didn't get to yesterday? It's Austin Brown. He's the agent for Zion Williamson. <laughs> he deserves a shout out for getting a max deal for a guy that's only played 82 games. Right. 
I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Over the last couple of years, the Yankees' Aaron Judge has become a household name. He's a rare blend of size and speed and power, but throughout his time in pinstripes, while he's been a difference maker, he's also had a long history of injuries. That's made the Yankees a little bit more cautious in regards to a potential extension. Just before opening day, he turned down a seven-year, $213 million deal. Many people believe that was a mistake. The contract would have made Judge the second-highest-paid outfielder on a yearly basis. But he decided to bet on himself, and as of right now, it's working. He's come out of the gate on fire this year. Three-time All-Star, leading the league in home runs, and his contributions have helped the Yankees achieve the best record in baseball. He's got a long way to go this season, so it's impossible to say how Judge will fare the rest of the year. But if the All-Star can continue this hot streak and stay on the field, that gamble is going to pay off in a very, very big way. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.